0: Recorded on January 18th, 2022, Episode 6, More Time. Welcome to the Push Ahead podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie.
1: I'm Shelby. And I'm Pamela.
0: And we're here with special guest Phil Moore, live via satellite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Phil. Right in the
0: home.
2: Pleasure to be here.
1: Live via Pompeii. Satellite. But (laughs) I'm (laughs) Ching.
0: Yep. We are here to talk about what's happening in the upcoming Florida session, the Voting Rights Act, and Phil Moore. Friend of the podcast. We're here to talk about
2: Fillmore. I can answer some of those questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to the elephant in the room, our gossip section that we talk about. So that way we can talk about other things. Good news. Giuliani was subpoenaed in the January 6th probe.
1: Now that crossed my news feed today, but I didn't read it because I was on the go all day long. So fill me in.
0: All right. They're just going to make him and a couple of other Trump associates, I believe the main lawyer. Sidney Powell. Yeah. From the Stop the Steal election was, was subpoenaed as well. So we're going to see more of these folks kind of shuffle in in front of the House committee, assuming, assuming things go well and they don't fight it the way that Bannon did.
2: I can only hope they feel like the walls are closing in around them. All of them are getting subpoenaed. All of them are going to find and hopefully our Department of Justice uh, will do something about it.
1: We're going to know how nervous they are based on how loud they fight.
2: Right. Yep. Well, they already are. There are. Some of them are saying they're not going to, you know, uh, validate any subpoena. They're not giving uh, uh, meadows, not doing anything. So they're going to fight.
1: And also how loudly they fight everywhere else. Yeah. We'll know how scared they are when they start fighting us on everything else to distract.
0: Right. Bringing up stuff like, you know, is Hillary Clinton going to run for yeah. election? It's like, no, right. no, no. It was like, what, one dude from the Hill was just kind of speculating. Oh, I didn't
3: about, know. Is that even a thing? I, I heard rumblings that Bill Clinton was going to get back in the ring and try and get Hillary to run again. And I'm like, no.
0: no. People are trying to get news cycles because I'm hoping that they're closing in on something.
3: That would be very good. Right. Hopefully
0: something will come of this and it's not just political theater.
2: Well, they definitely don't want us to keep talking about it. So they're going to try to change the subject as much as they can. As Rubio even said, this is a nothing burger, Mm. not to quote him exactly, but they don't want us to keep on talking about the thing. It's fascinating to me how they seem to think that this is not what a majority of America takes into consideration. But I look at this and I think personally, unless we get this resolved, we're going to be in this state where we're wondering what's happening. We don't feel any confidence in our government, in justice, in being able to see people being held accountable. Right. Yeah. And that's just going to leave even a bigger gap of question. So I think there are a lot of people who want to see these issues resolved.
1: Yes. Well, there are a lot of people that don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. The people that don't are the ones that stand have the most to lose. And they want to create fear of our justice system and distrust of our election system and distrust of all of our.
3: Yeah, because the Republican that ran against Alcee Hastings replacement, he's refusing to concede. Yet she got 79 percent of the vote.
1: Yeah, And he says he f- they found stuff. Yeah, like that. That's literally what he said. We found stuff, so he won't. I mean, he doesn't need to concede. Concession is not a requirement in an election, Mm
3: -hmm. since the dear leader did it. Yeah, that's going to be now their playbook
1: every single time. Every single time. Every single time. And what they're doing, well, Phil can talk to this because Phil attended the charter review committee meeting here in Brevard County, and. They're trying to get school board. Right now, you can't recall a school board member in Brevard County because of our charter. Mm -hmm. They're trying to adjust the charter so that you can recall school board members. Well, I'm just going to say, I think if that were a conversation, they're going to be having a lot of push to make all of countywide elections recallable, which I think will make a little, a few of our county commissioners a little uncomfortable.
2: You know, and that's true for almost anything that you look at. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And anything that push into one extreme, if the parties switch, it's going to be moved into the other extreme. Another example with that is at the state level right now, where the Florida State Senate is taking up a measure where our director of environmental protections is appointed by the cabinet. They're looking to move that so that Nikki Fried, our commissioner of agriculture, doesn't have any say, it's only appointed by the governor. Well, should the governorship change, you know that they're going to go right back and try to rechange that rule because it's going to hurt them when the governor, if it's a Democrat, will go ahead and appoint whoever they want.
1: I think they don't think they're ever going to lose another election. I mean, and they're doing what they can to make sure they can't. Did you see that Governor DeSantis actually presented his own version of the redistricting map, which has never, ever happened? Yeah. The governor presented a redistricting map to the state legislature to consider... Which, of course, means that they'll take it because he has veto power over anything they pass.
0: This is going to anchor us firmly in time. COVID update. I can't wait to not lead off with these. Yeah. Omicron is not over. Not by a long shot. They're estimating anywhere between 50,000 to 300,000 more deaths nationwide. But the good news is that it's not as bad as it was during the peak period in January of 2021. The deaths are just about half of what they were. And that is due to the increased vaccines and the better way of treating. So mask up, get boosted, get vaxxed. Get tested. Get tested.
1: Order your test, covidtest.gov. There you go. covidtest.gov. You can go in there. It actually takes you to the post office and you can request four free COVID tests per household. Yep. They will not deliver more than four per household, but they will deliver four per household. I ordered mine
3: today. I ordered mine. I ordered my father's and I ordered my mother's.
2: I ordered mine, so I got my four coming. They give you a verification from the U.S. Postal Service. I got an email verification.
0: Good stuff.
3: It was very easy. Yeah. And it's
1: one of the simplest things we can do.
0: Yeah. Testing, masking, and getting vaccinated. Yeah. Moving on, we have the upcoming Florida session. I'm going to put Pam on the spot to kind of introduce the topic.
1: I will be happy to introduce the topic because when we've created this flamingo, (laughs) we talked about educating voters and educating ourselves on how day-to-day life is affected through politics. And what I've come to realize is that nothing affects us more than our state legislature. And a few years ago, I met this guy that we've invited in here tonight, and he is just an encyclopedia of what's happening in the legislature. I don't know when he sleeps because he has a regular job as well, but he's my magic eight ball, if you will. So I call and say, what do I need to pay attention to? With everything in my role, there's so many things on my plate. I don't have to pay attention. I can just fill, what do I need to pay attention to? And he gets me focused. So he was going to be here last week, but there was a mix up in communication as far as confirmation and stuff. And it's good because we've already had a weekend and you'd be amazed with taking cram through in a week. So yeah. Hi, Phil. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here as our guru on state legislature and kind of just go for it. And I know Jamie's going to have some questions as we go to, cause he had some prepared for you last week. Um, what do you think is the uh, most important topic we're dealing with right now?
2: So the state legislature, because it's a majority Republican, has had the ability to push through some major legislation, which fortunately has been found to be unconstitutional Mm. in the years past, like HB1 right now, which um, is being challenged.
0: For our non-political junkies, what's HB1?
2: Here's a little tidbit of information for your listeners, too. Bill numbers have a reason for the way that they're numbered. Usually they're numbered by priority of what the legislature or the governor pushes as they want to see that they want to have passed that year. Why HB? House bill. HB stands for House bill. So House bills, they get the odd numbers. Senate bills get the even like numbers.
1: S-Bill 90 was the voter Atrocity law. Right. And HB1 is, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So they just went with that uh, name for it. So that bill was, the inception of it was because of the protests that were happening because of the death of George Floyd and the other wrongful deaths around the nation. And they didn't like the way that people were protesting. So this bill was put in place and it was really egregious in many ways, but also not just egregious, Because they said that you can run over somebody if they're protesting in the street. But it took away a lot of your First Amendment constitutional rights, which is being argued right now. And I think there are two groups. I think it's the NAACP and it might be the ACLU that are arguing right now. Um, So it's being stayed right now. The bill is not law because it's being heard. So that's one of the egregious bills that's going around right now. There are many others that they've been passing, but this year they're going to do the same thing. They're going to pass a few egregious bills. It's early in the session. It just started on, I think it was the 11th or last week. Yeah. And it's really, you just got to keep watching. There's a short period of time and they push these bills through very fast.
1: Where do people go to follow them?
2: You can actually go on to the state websites. So it's myfloridahouse.gov and floridasenate.gov. And those websites will have either if you want to watch the Senate side or the House side, the bills that are moving through. You can watch them in committees when they're being introduced in committees.
1: By watch means you can see every day they post what that what happened that day with that bill. It's like you're actually watching the conversation.
2: You can actually watch it too. They have a channel much like C-SPAN. It's called okay. the Florida Channel. If you're like me and you like watching C-SPAN and watching them just <laughs> walk into the room and argue a little bit and then walk out of the room, just doing the same thing. They'll, you'll watch them in committees, just talk about their bill. And then, of course, because it's a Republican majority, they usually get voted up with the majority in the committees and then it moves on once it gets a couple committee hearings. Now that can all change too. There's a lot of nuances in the laws that I'm still learning myself. Like for instance, the real power lies with the Senate president and the and the house leader.
1: And who's our Senate president?
2: The Senate President Wilt Simpson, I think it is or
1: And who's the House? The leader of the House. Oh
2: that you're gonna Chris Sprouts. Right. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. ran right on the spot. So they Chris really, Chris
1: Sprouts who is like
2: mm. They set the agenda. They set the direction as to what bills are going to be put in committees. I'm sure it's much like at at the federal level. I just don't follow the federal level that much. And right now they're pushing a couple of bills that are coming up this week, I think on Thursday, that are preemption law bills. And so this one's... Ties back to COVID, where there's going to be preemptions that if your local municipality or county put forth any type of restrictions that put a financial burden on a business, that the business can then sue the county or municipality. For example. If there was anybody that said you had to close down because of COVID again, the businesses could sue. But it's very loosely worded right now. And when I read through the bill, I'm like, okay, so if a city from this point on puts forth an ordinance that is a noise ordinance and you're running a dance club. Oh, Right. And now all the neighbors say, you know what, we don't want all this noise around. And then the municipality puts forth an ordinance that says, you can't have noise past this hour. And they're saying, well, now that's a financial burden on my business. They well, get what about sue. a
1: hurricane state of emergency? You've got to close and yeah. they could sue for that as well. This is dumb.
2: Yeah, it's very loosely. This wrong, dumb. They've been trying to draw in more power into Tallahassee year after year. So that's why you see more and more preemption bills and more taking away from small government.
0: When you say vaguely worded, isn't that why HB1 is being challenged? There was a stay because of it didn't clearly define what writing was.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they don't have anything better to do. So they just come up with this stuff. Right. <laughs> and so, see
3: which one they, they
2: have. They have no real agenda items to deal with. with they're not going to deal with, you know, affordable housing. <laughs> right. They're not going to deal with those types of things that real people are dealing with. So they're just drumming up some stuff like CRT. They'll drum up some stuff and then they'll write a bill about it. And it's so off the charts that it's going to be challenged because it's not even going to be what it's supposed to be about.
1: Well, they're justifying that $29,000 a year salary.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Are there ways to read these laws and recognize that this is a show law that's not going to withstand scrutiny
2: in court? No, they'll push it anyway. So more and more, they've been pushing through these laws that really don't pass muster. Right. They don't care. They don't care about the Constitution. Haven't they
1: packed the state court so that they still can get them through regardless?
2: Well, that's at the state level, but mm-hmm. these are being challenged at the federal level okay. of the circuits. So most of these are not passing constitutional muster in the U.S. Constitution. With
0: that, with that old supremacy clause.
1: <laughs> yeah. They haven't been struck down yet either.
2: No, no, they're being heard and it takes a while. Yeah. Other than that, there's going to be a lot to watch in this legislative session. If you want to continue, just go on those websites. There's usually chatter about these bills. They don't like the chatter because then you're, you've got an eye on what they're trying to do up there.
1: How can we chatter?
2: Well... There's different groups that really watch these bills. Um, the Democratic Women's Club of Florida has been doing yeoman's work right now up there on getting the information out as quickly as possible as these bills. But you can watch when they're getting into committees and as they're starting to move through, and then you're going to see. Okay, well, people need to call your representatives and just at least make them point out that you asked them to vote no. They're not going to vote n- right. no again. Our local ones aren't
1: right because here in Brevard County, back bringing it back to home, we have four state representatives and two state senators in theory, representing us in Tallahassee, right? You're going to laugh when I call. But so why would I call? Because then it's on public record. If Randy Fine says, this is what my constituents stand for, he can't really say that when his public record shows that a majority of people have called and said, you're full of Oh.
0: I didn't say it. Yeah, we, uh, we we have to maintain a clean rating. Yes,
1: yeah, so you're, you're full of, you're not smart and honest. And that's the public record. So when people say, why should I call? That's why you should call, right? Just to get it documented yeah. at least. And can they walk in to, to the committees? Do they allow for public comment?
2: Yes and yes. Yes, you can do both. So yes, you can go, you can speak at public committee meetings. They are public. Or you can just put a card and say, I'm waving in support or I'm waving against. You don't have to actually speak if you are feeling nervous or don't want to do that. And you can call or write or email, or show up at their door and ask for some time to speak to your representative about that too. You know, I will say if you're a constituent, it does have a lot more pull, obviously, because you're the ones that are voting them in and out. So you know, just don't run to any old senator. Although,
1: if you want to go, stop by all the Democratic state senators and state yeah. representatives and just say thank you. Yeah, that would also be awesome. Even though they're not ours, they do like knowing that we're noticing what they're doing. That they're because it's it's a fight.
2: It's a lot like when you have a big to do list and you just you're overwhelmed and you just don't know where to start. I call that that Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like that up in Tallahassee for our Democratic representatives and senators. They're always fighting up against something. There's a hundred bill, there's 300 bills, there's a thousand bills, whatever it may be, that are up against them. And they're having to try to knock them down as quickly as possible. Do you feel like
1: the Republicans are trying to just throw enough snow at the Democrats so they don't notice the tiny thing that they're getting? That
2: definitely happens. So I can tell you that our representatives, and I don't know about the other side, but they rely on their legislative aides too. And people, if you call up and say to your Democratic representative, uh, it might not be yours, but hey, this is a bill and I want you to be aware of what this... And that might have triggered them to review that bill. For example, right
1: now, there is a bill in the state house. So this is something people don't know, that a state representative can ask the state legislature to change how Brevard County vote, right? And there is a bill, you said it's already made it through the first committee, which will change only Brevard County municipal elections, which are currently nonpartisan. We talked about that last week. You would change those nonpartisan municipal elections to have a partisan ID, not be a partisan election because that would require a primary and blah, blah, blah. But up until election day, nobody would necessarily know that candidate's party. But on election day, when the voters go, they're going to see that candidate's party ID next to their name. And that is currently in our state legislature right now because Randy Fines asking his buddies, hey, and they don't really care. Nope. They, you know, even the Democrats, they don't care what's happening in Brevard County.
3: Right.
2: And
1: until we tell them, we care. yeah,
2: Right, right. Until we tell the Democrats that we don't want this bill, then in committees, they'll just keep on voting for it. It did go past the first committee unanimously. Mm. Even the Democrats voted for it because they didn't know. Right. They don't know what it's about. Or they'll try to say, well, we can vote against it when it hits the House floor. We don't have to vote against it in committee. And they play this game because if they also want to get support for their bills in com- passed through yeah. committees, they don't want to, oops, can't say that, they don't want to <laughs> anger the people who are also going to be hopefully voting in favor of the bills that they want to see. So they'll vote yes. I don't think it's a very strong stance, but that's you know the game that they're trying to play. So to that bill, right now, it doesn't have a Senate companion. And again, I don't know all the rules about that, but we have passed the deadline for entry introductions of any bills.
1: So there won't be anything new. We can go right now. Everything that's going to be considered in this legislative session will now be findable.
2: Yes. Okay. And but Let me put an asterisk next to that because Mm -hmm. I'm learning new stuff and there are things called trains, which is when they basically are called in, I think at the federal level, they call them omnibus bills, where they just kind of just batch a bunch of things together because it couldn't get heard. or It wasn't going to get heard. And I believe that's still an avenue for the local bill to be put on the Senate side in another bill. So it could bypass committees. Get put on a train, I think. I'm not sure, but that's kind of my one worry there is even though it doesn't have a Senate companion, if it passes through the House side, they might be able to tack it on to something else and get it passed in the Senate side. Right.
1: I just think it's a horror. And I mean, honestly, if you have Republican friends, I would... Ask your Republican friends to call the local state representatives and voice their opinions on this. The voters I know do not want more division in our county. They don't want these municipal races. They want to know that they can talk to their neighbor and not have to know whether they voted for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. They want to know that they can talk to their West Melbourne City Council person and not be inundated with that and not have that as a driving force. Plus, Republicans aren't smart if they pass this, because what would keep Broward counties from saying, hey, we
3: want to do that in Broward, too? But then they carve out their... They're our little pockets. yeah, and they carve them out. So if that happens, then. So if we go to Tallahassee, knock
1: on the door, introduce yourself. And I've heard that we have some sane minded local represent- representatives like Tavis Roy strikes me as a person who I would never vote for him. I don't like the way he votes, but he's a fair minded human, right? He's not.
2: He is approachable. Yeah. I disagree with his political stances on everything, but I can approach him and at least tell him that.
1: Yeah. And um, he'll hear you. Yeah, And, and he listen. acts yeah. from true ideology not what he thinks is going to play to the base. Like he, yeah, he doesn't, Well, he doesn't kiss the ring. He
2: is also the person who is introduced at a house resolution, which is going to be to change all school board races to partisan races throughout the entire state. Now that resolution, when it passes, will then go on to the 2020 ballot for the voters to vote 2022. on. 2022 ballot. Thank you. to let the voters vote on to see if they want to change that, make that change. But Yes. He's pu- he's pushing that drive.
1: Is anything happening with reproductive rights right now? Oh,
2: huge, huge. Yeah, there's a bill right now that's moving through Representative Grawl out of Vero, our neighboring uh, representative to the South. She's been championing these bills against women's reproductive rights now for the last few years. And she's got another one. I believe it's the 15-week Texas bill. Yeah, I did. And this one doesn't have language that would exempt for uh, rape or incest or anything like that.
1: So if you're listening to this... I'm assuming you're kind of a political junkie and this is super fascinating to you. And if you're a newbie like I was just four years ago, then you might be going, gosh, this is just so much information to take in. We do now have an email that that Jamie's going to give at the end of the podcast. Just reach out and let's see if we can get Phil to answer more of these questions. And and I'm sure he's going to be back over the next few months as well. So the point of this whole segment has been know what's happening in your state legislature. I personally asked Phil because he has a way of speaking about things in a way that takes away some of the mystery. And he just it doesn't just say what the bill number is. He talks about how it impacts our lives. We've worked on that, that if you're a list learning how these things truly affect your day to day life and why they are worth fighting for and why they are worth knocking doors for and why they are worth supporting candidates for, because these are The reason that, you know, everybody knows that voting rights is a thing, but it's because of what's happening on the state level. If the states didn't have so much power, the federal government wouldn't have to protect voting rights. Yes.
0: Yes. As hinted. We're going to move on to the next
1: (laughs) segue. Yeah, that was good. I'm good at giving you segues, Jamie.
0: There we go. So the Voting Rights Act, again, if states did the right thing, we wouldn't need the Voting Rights Act. I believe in the 60s, there was a Voting Rights Act that was essentially aimed at Southern states to keep them from enacting Jim Crow laws.
1: And what were some of those Jim Crow laws? Poll tax. So we use these terms, right? So the average voter, of course, is like, this isn't going to happen. Poll tax meaning that it wasn't literally a tax. A voter couldn't be charged a tax when they showed up to vote, but there were financial... Requirements. Requirements are not even directly, funny. even an ID requirement. If you have to pay to get an ID, yes. that's a poll tax. If you have to pay to vote, that's a poll tax. So, what else was there?
3: They also had at some lovely Alabama locations, if you went to register to vote and you were black, you were asked to guess the number of marbles or guess something. Right. That That was actually
1: in Florida as well. That's part of what Harry Moore was fighting, was working so hard to get. And they made it really difficult to even register to vote. So, and illegal in some places, people to register to vote.
0: More recent examples are Texas Voter Suppression Acts, where it is illegal to go out and register voters. I believe that applied for a while. I'm not sure if it's still up.
3: They gutted Florida with that. So in Florida. Yeah, I was a high school teacher and my school in Broward. One of the only things that they could say that they were good at was registering their kids. So they had me get a sub and every 17-year-old U.S. citizen went into my room and registered to vote. And Rick Scott made that illegal.
1: So now they are doing voter registration again in high schools. Bayside's actually doing a voter registration drive next week. If you're listening to this and you're a Democrat, let's make sure we have representation there. So they are doing that in select schools. I would notice they're probably in Bayside, probably in Vieira, maybe not in at uh, Pompeii or Cocoa. Um, no, actually, I
2: think I did look at the supervisor of elections. They are shooting for a lot of high schools. Okay, so. good. Well,
1: that's good. But from a state level, some of the things that they've done to Florida, you, you can't provide food or water unless you are actually an SOE employee to somebody standing in line. And they've limited polling places. They've limited polling places. They've limited voting drop boxes so that people used to be able to think out if they worked two or three jobs, which the average lower income voter well, you could take your mail ballot after hours and drop it at a Dropbox. Well, now the Dropboxes have to be in Supervised Election Offices, and they're only accessible when the Supervisor Elections Office is open. So if you have a job from 7 to 6, 7 in the morning to 6 at night, you can't drop off your mail ballot request. But that's OK. You can hand it to your neighbor and ask them, no, can't no. do that either. You are limited to being able to turn in two mail ballots. I can turn in two, period. The whole election cycle, I can turn in two. And they track it, so I can't turn in twenty-two. I can't turn into a day. I can turn in two, unless I'm an immediate family member. I could turn in my husband's and two more. I don't know what they're going to do with nursing homes, because nursing homes—that's a big thing. And again, I can only turn them in at an SOE office, and those drop boxes have to be under supervision the whole time that they're there. So that, of course, impacts the economically challenged voter, because they're the ones that have two or three jobs, and we don't want to give them a day off to vote.
2: How hard is it to say we're going to make? Election Day, a holiday. Federal
3: holiday. And that's what, in federal, that is one of the first things that it does. it's part of the, yeah. Yeah, So talk about the John Lewis vote, right? Yeah. 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 The the one good thing about Broward County is if there is an election day, you're off if you're teaching. Because they they have
1: elections in the schools. Yep. Broward County doesn't use schools for any of our elections. So that's a great excuse to keep people in school. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. The worst voter suppression rules Are the ones that you have to stop and think about why it discriminates, because it takes stuff that middle class people take for granted. Oh, just show your driver's license, right? Not everyone has a driver's license. And if you don't own a car, you don't need one. Maybe you can then go get a state ID. Well, why would someone want a state ID if they don't drink?
1: Well, and that's also it's not as easy to get as you might think. When I just wanted my passport... I had to get a certified copy of my birth certificate, which I believe is what you need for an ID as well. Mm -hmm. I was born in a, I was, what was then a naval base. I was born, yes, yes. (laughs) it was a naval base and it's no longer a town. And so when I called them, I had to call the person to figure out my records and it wasn't easy to do. And there are people that literally don't have any evidence of where they were born.
3: Yeah, And not to mention the hours long wait you will be just to get a state ID. Who wants to go to a DMV and wait hours and you're not even getting a driver's license. So, and if you
1: don't have that, you can't vote in Florida.
0: Right. And so it's
1: just absurd. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: Well, it's it is and it isn't crazy. I mean, if you think about it, why would Republicans be the party that is against having more voters? Because they're the ones in power right now. And they don't want to dilute what they already know is going to get them to the win.
1: Even if this weren't a partisan conversation, it amazes me how often what serves my party is just the right thing to do. I mean, we should be fighting hard to make it easier for every. American to be able to vote.
3: Yeah, it is the core value that we've based our entire country on.
2: No, no, they—I don't carriers. think they would agree with that at all. I, I know they wouldn't. Look at a, as a republic right. versus a democracy.
0: Well, that's why they try to correct you because it's like, oh, America is not a democracy mm-hmm. because they don't want to be branded as not American. Yeah, it's, it's a branding statement that they're doing.
2: Yeah, and they don't want to see as as all these actions as being. An american
0: Right. Meanwhile, all a republic is, is that it's
2: not a monarchy.
3: It's-, it's a republic as a representative democracy. And how can it be representative if everybody thinks right. democracy?
2: Exactly. They're skipping the democracy. So do we think that it's going to, I haven't followed. the No, it will lit- not pass.
3: I think it'll pass. No, because Manchin and Cinema have both gone on record and have both told Joe Biden to this his face. This is the John Lewis voting rights bill for the We yes. keep forgetting where they have told him to his face. While they support expanding voting rights, they will not support it. By taking away the filibuster.
0: Right. Or weakening the filibuster. Or
3: weakening the filibuster. So while they say that they're for it. I mean the filibuster is already weakened. Yes. Like when they turned it into what
1: they did.
0: In its current form the filibuster can be sent via email. Yeah. It is no longer standing on the floor reading the phone book. And so one of the proposals was to weaken it to go back to where it was. Whereas the filibuster was never written into the constitution. It was never really written into the rules of anything. The way that it came about was that someone realized that there has to be a floor vote in order to advance the bills for voting. And during that deliberation phase, it's possible to just stand there and then hold up that floor vote unless it's overruled by a two-thirds majority. And so it's not even filibustering the bill itself. It is preventing the consideration of this bill that is a rule that the house actually got rid of a while ago the house actually had a filibuster and then it was gone and then there was a filibuster for federal judges it's gone that's gone
1: it's the most undemocratic thing possible yes
0: yes it is a way for the minority to continue to rule
3: oh and by the way martin luther king jr also talked about the evils of the filibuster back in the civil
0: rights hopefully we'll wake up to news of that but here, right now, we don't know if it's gone through or not, what the moderate two did.
3: <laughs> well, also, Schumer wants it on record saying that every single Republican in the Senate, except I think Murkowski said that she was on board. Right. So all but one Republican is against voting rights. Hopefully our messaging works and during this election we can run. Your senator does not think that you should have the right to vote. Right. Marco well,
1: Rubio. And actually, one of Marco Rubio's opponents will be at our next Democratic meeting. All right.
0: And we're here with Phil Moore. Yay! Hi.
2: Glad to be in the conversation.
0: All right. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your campaign, the platform that you're running on. I did a little bit of research. I've already mentioned the affordable housing. I don't think you've brought up environmentalism. Tell us a little bit about The position you're running for, why someone would want to be in that position.
2: So I'm running for Palm Bay City Council. Mm -hmm. It's in a seat that a prior city council member resigned. And so this is an open election. It could have been filled by appointee by the council for a period of time to fulfill the remainder of the term. Mm -hmm. Because
1: that term was up for election this fall anyway.
2: That's right. So this open seat, which is costing the city a quarter of a million dollars, is only until November of 22.
3: So you're going for an eight-month job.
2: Yes, correct. And then have to rerun again in August to fill the November. Okay. So and the
3: city has to pay
1: for this election.
2: Correct. This is separate because it's not during regular general so they're paying a quarter of a million dollars for this open seat. It is a special election on March 8th. The election is, because of the cost, it's only going to be held in two ways. You're either going to vote by mail or you're going to vote on election day. There is no early voting for this election that would cost even more money. I'm running because I saw a need in Palm Bay. I see that local elections are being attacked more and more. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I think one of the best things we can do is try to work on, focus in on minutia first and then build out from there. And so I saw this As an opportunity with the special election to really solidify what Palm Bay is going to be doing in the future. Some of the things that I wanted to see Palm Bay to do and South Brevard to do in growing. Palm Bay is the largest city in Brevard County growing in the state. It is going to continue being the largest city in Brevard County for the remainder. It's got a lot of land to develop as well. So that's one of the things that I look at. I look at as Palm Bay is developing how much land have we set aside for any type of conservation or any type of preservation of land? And it is very little. Unfortunately, in the history of Palm Bay, a lot of the city council has tried to sell off as much and make as much money as they can on the selling of the land of Palm Bay and turning it into single family homes, right. which they can get a tax revenue on the on the homes. So there's been a lot of that going on in Palm Bay. And I see the need to try to preserve some of that land for our wildlife, for our future uh, for children, for our generations to come. So that's a big thing for me is to try to preserve some of that land. I want to see Palm Bay put away some conservation of lands, And I've even talked to some of the other city council members on this. And I'm like, there's a lot of people that continue to come to Palm Bay and want to develop. But if, if I can see that, yes, we're going to develop, but we're also going to set aside an equal amount of land, almost like a mitigation, then I'd be okay with that. But if I don't see that and I see that they just want to come in and develop and develop. And I've been in talks and I'm trying to work on some plans to put away some land to, uh, to conserve.
1: I think that would actually help with future development anyway because it would show businesses other than aerospace and defense contractors how much we value um, our quality of light. That, that would actually draw other businesses to the community.
2: So green space has a number of ways that it benefits the community. Of course, it's going to increase the land value because you have a big preservation right next to your home. It's going to, of course, keep the heat index down slightly because of you've got that green space. So you're not actually building on everything. Yes. It increases the quality of life because you have a little bit of recreational space or, or wildlife space that you can go visit. You see some animals coming through. It has a multitude of positive impacts on your community. So that is some of the reasons why I want to see. And of course, being green friendly that I am, I want to make sure that we have some of that green space in Palm Bay. So that's one of the main things that I'm running on. I also look at affordable housing. It's one of the main issues, not just in Palm Bay, but in the state of Florida. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, that the Republicans really aren't addressing that issue, and I don't see them trying to address that at all. I understand that some of these problems we got to be able to find the, our own solutions to, and I think at the municipal level is where we're going to have to find that solution to tackle affordable housing. So I am looking at, as we are looking at developers, and I'll share with you guys that I've already talked to a number of the developers in the area that are currently there that do have affordable housing, Section 8 housing in Palm Bay. I've already talked to them. I've actually got a meeting set up with one of them to see if we can expand what they've already built in Palm Bay and building another facility like what they're doing. And they've been more than happy to say, we'll, we'll sit down and talk to you. So I do want to see what we can do in expanding that. And the other thing we need to do is try to address the the homeless issue we have in Palm Bay. I can tell you right now that I don't want to address it in the way that Melbourne's tried to address it. And you you don't
1: want to make it illegal to give water?
2: No. And I told some of our council members, I'm not going to create homelessness and being homeless into a partisan politics. I'm just going to make sure that what Palm Bay does, what they can do for homeless people in in their community. So we're looking at cold night shelters. We're looking at making sure that we have transitional housing for them and places for people to stay for whatever reason, as we look at whether it be for drug abuse or the needs there. But I want to make sure that we have... Or
1: if we've just priced them out of their housing.
2: Yeah, that's affordable housing. Exactly. Right. I mean, and th- there's a saying right now that, that unfortunately is those who have lived in Florida can't afford to live in Florida. And I'm one of those people as well. I'm a lifelong Floridian native, and I've seen the prices of, of housing increase in Florida to where you need to have two or three jobs in order to be able to afford a home or rent in this state. So we need to be able to tackle that. I'm working on plans to try to tackle that. And there are a few other things I know that Palm Bay specifically has infrastructure problems that they have they've been dealing with for a long time. That goes back to the history of Palm Bay and the entire build out of Palm Bay. When Palm Bay was conceptualized, a lot of it, people thought, if you build it, they will come. And so they just decided to build out roads and were expecting a flood of people to start coming in and building houses in Palm Bay. Well, what ended up happening was somebody would build one house in Palm Bay and then three miles away, another person <laughs> would build another house in Palm Bay. And then there was a lot and of space in there Yeah. yeah. There were some developers issues, (laughs) but I think in totality, the concept was wrong, how they're looking to build out. And if you look at build outs today, it's what's called smart growth or walkable space Mm -hmm. and how you build out. And so you build small and then you build out from there. You build a walkable space first to where people wouldn't need anything but more public transit, or you can bike there or walk there to your grocery store. And then that's going to serve those people who can't afford to drive that far or can't afford a home. And then you serve the community further out from there, almost like the suburbs, and you go out from there.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Speaking of affordable housing, even on News Channel 2 today, they said that the average single-family home for rent in Orlando is $1,900. That's nuts. And here they said it was, I think, the average is about $1,500.
2: So one of the things that the state, of course, is not addressing this, the state and the governor does have the power to declare a state of emergency. What we are seeing right now is we're seeing rent prices being jacked up almost like you would in with gas prices where you would, what's the word again, when you just- Price re- gouging. Gouge. You would gouge them. And they're doing that right now to renters. They're just gouging those prices because people are coming in and swooping up properties. And It's
1: funny because they're escaping New Jersey, escaping New York, escaping California. And the only thing they're bringing with them is the price they pay for rent. Right. Yeah.
2: And a lot of people aren't even coming here. They're buying the properties and then they're renting them out because they know they can make a big buck on it. So even when you build housing, like what's happening in Palm Bay and other places around we're building housing, we're trying to keep up with demand, which we can't. But even when we're trying to build houses for Floridians to afford, we're getting priced out right away. And people who are buying them aren't the people who are even looking to move here. It's it's a problem here in Florida. It'll continue to be a problem. But I think being at the local level is one of the ways we can can try to address this. Those are some of the few issues I'm running on. Of course, there are many other things probably on my website as well.
0: (laughs) So the road to get here, you are mid-campaign. People are out knocking doors and leaving hangers for your campaign. Can you talk a little bit about the road that you took between filing to get here, what the rest of the race is going to look like?
2: Yeah, so I can start out a little bit before that. So I didn't know if my intention was to run again. Um, I ran before against Randy Fine, who we all know, for state rep. And I did see at the time that the biggest impact, what I thought was going to be, was to try to influence what's happening at the state level. What I've learned, though, thus far is that I would be nothing more than a a small opposition at Tallahassee, and they're still going to railroad through their issues. When I saw that this was open, I wasn't just running to say, I'm going to be the the next Palm Bay City Council member. I did a lot of thinking about it and said, you know, is this going to be the thing I want to do? Because I knew that I would have to run again. So after a little bit of poking and prodding and and some thought, I went ahead and, and said, yes, we're going to do this. It is for a very short period of time. So what have I done and what's happened? It's It's been basically a crunch. I feel like the voter turnout is going to be a little low and we don't have any historical value in Palm Bay to look at in a special election. But there have been a few special elections throughout the state very recently. One was just in Jacksonville, which I've shared with Pam. Voter turnout was low. I think it was a total of 11 or 14 percent. Somewhere around there. Ours will be higher. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, that's the one thing with Brevard County is.
2: Yeah, we
3: they, we they we have higher voter turnouts than most of the state.
2: We will have voter turnout, but I think it will still typically be low. And I, you gotta, you gotta rerun again. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of resources, I'm trying not to burn anybody out. <laughs> yeah. Because I know we're gonna have to do it again, but I really want to make sure that we. This is a great opportunity to try to reinforce what we need in Palm Bay, in South Brevard, moving forward into November. Right.
1: You've so, also been really smart. A lot of your lit is um, something you can reuse in the fall. So a lot of what you do, though, if you just don't have the election date on it, which is kind of hard to do in a special election when you really want people to yeah. have a date. Now that's up to me. Like that's where our partnership is because you're trusting that that I'm providing the resources to knock doors with you. I was out Saturday and I'm going to tell you, Everybody I talked to was super excited to see somebody talking to them. Right, they were so excited, and a number of people picked up your card and they said, "Oh, Phil, I remember him. He came and talked to me before." They really remember you, and that when the candidate does that door knocking, there's nothing more effective, right? He's still remembered to a year later. But I would say, you know, a special election coming up in March. They go, "Oh, in March." I said, yes. So really that voter contact is going to be the key to your win and mail ballots, because then at least they get a mail ballot Mm -hmm. in the mail and it tells them, oh, I've got an election on March 8th and they'll return that mail ballot. So the things that we are doing as a party to support you, knocking doors and increasing mail ballot requests. We did a text campaign for that already. I think you know that Mm -hmm. right now we've got a phone bank going to identify voter plans.
2: So I have been doing things in small batches because like she said, it's a special election. So you got to make people aware of the date. So you got to have the date on them, but you don't want to have it so that you have 10,000 left over. Right. And now you've got November and you've got to do it all over again. You just got to toss those. So I've been doing them in small batches so that we we see what we need and then I'll order more accordingly. And on the orders, I had a limited what I could get in terms of sizing uh, for small batches. So (laughs) it's a great opportunity. I think a small thing that many people don't know, especially Democrats, is if we have the opportunity of turning out more Democrats in this election in Palm Bay. There are more registered Democrats than there are Republicans in Palm Bay. We have a slight majority right there. So as long as we turn out Democratic voters, we can win. This was a great opportunity to try to solidify that, try to keep on building upon that. So I'm happy to be running for this seat. I'm excited about it. I'm okay with running again. I think it actually really helps because there's name recognition there. You're not only seeing my face and my name and in March, you're gonna see my face and my name again. Right. So, absolutely.
0: So, do you have a team?
2: Yes, I do have a few people helping me. You're looking at one of them right there. She's telling me everything <laughs>
0: okay. that I'm
2: doing. Um, I do have a, a couple of people helping. Absolutely. They're helping Canvas right now. They're helping me with my s- scheduling to make sure that I'm not overbooking myself and spreading myself too thin. So, I do have a couple of people helping me out with some of those things. Yes. But again, I'm not trying to burn too many volunteers out now. I'm just trying to get everybody engaged and get them motivated as we're going to have to redo this again in November.
1: And I know you, one of the joys that I have working with a candidate like Phil is, you know, you're part of a team and you know that in the fall, it'll be your race. And also you're trying to protect another city councilman seat who's already super targeted. And I know you also have your eyes on the state, you know, so do you want to watch how the sausage is made? From my my job is to think of how I can get the most bang for my buck, right? So right now we have a state representative candidate in State House 53 and a school board candidate in in school board district five, all of which also are in Palm Bay. So when we're knocking doors right now for Phil, we're also saying we have this coming up, we're gonna come back. And that way people are getting that little bit of name recognition. And these candidates are getting a contact on the back of Phil's race. So working together as a team. We get more impact, and we start building that mind in our voters of this is my slate. So it's it's exciting. No, like
2: she's saying, I'm overlapping districts with school board, county commission, whether it be or
1: state rep, state
2: rep, Congress.
1: The- and so, if somebody's not excited about our congressional race, they might be really excited about school board. And if they're not excited about city council, they might be really excited about state house rep. And they'll find something to support. In which case, they're supporting all of our candidates.
0: Okay. Your campaign right now is going flawlessly, no challenges whatsoever.
2: <laughs> it actually is not going bad at all. The thing about running races, and this goes, I think, for any elections. I've done a couple of them now, is I use the analogy of a marathon, is you got to pace yourself and you pace yourself and you do everything you're supposed to do. You put all your ducks in a row, you go over all your analyses and you do all your spreadsheets and then you've got like the finish line, you can see it you got that last little bit and you got a sprint. Right. And that's what the end of the, like the two weeks before the election is, or three weeks is a sprint to the finish line. If it's early voting, that's when you sprint to the finish line. And you got a little sprint in there. You got a little kick in there when mail, send, when mail ballots go out. And that's coming up pretty soon. Actually, overseas ballots are coming up. They're being sent out this Friday.
1: I'll tell you, Jamie and Shelby are also using this to like get that picture of how a race, because people don't understand. I didn't know from beginning to end of a race. The first part is the ugly part. It's finding all the rules and following them. Mm-hmm. Finding the rules in campaign finance, finding the rules, finding a treasurer that can process your reports. And I and you've got all that handled. And then there are overseas voters get their mail ballots before domestic mail ballots. So what we encourage our candidates to do is find somebody to write a letter or write it themselves. They're not all military. Right. So even that wording has to be very careful to make sure you're not excluding any overseas voters. And it's introducing yourself to the overseas voters. And we mail that the day that the mail ballots go out, because when the mail ballots go out, U.S. mail, our letter goes out as well, and they get them both in the mail. Um, Hopefully.
2: Hopefully. Hopefully. And it encourages We can't you actually attach them to it. We, right. We that would them. be
1: awesome. And so then we'll follow that up with when the regular domestic mail ballots go with the parties doing to support Phil's, the door hangers we were talking about, we'll be going to the door of every Democrat and friendly nonpartisan who has a mail ballot. And we'll be leaving a door hanger on their doors with a sticky on their windows saying, return your mail ballot today. And then we're going to call. I told people when I was talking to them Saturday, they said, oh, I'm going to mail it in. I said, well, I really want to make sure your vote counts. So if I don't see it, I'm going to call you. We'll start calling and chasing those mail ballots for about a week. And then we move on to doing the same thing again. That's the sprint that Phil Stockham, the same thing again with our non-mail ballot voters. Okay. You really trust our local party to know what we're doing and to do our part of that job. And you've really stayed connected. Do you find that a value?
2: I do. Absolutely. I think it's easier for me because I've run races that are partisan. Yeah. I'm proud to put the D next to my name.
1: Yeah, you are. I
2: am a proud democrat. I say that whenever people navigate, you know, who they're talking I just walk right up to some, I'm a proud democrat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoyed having you guys behind me uh, every step of the way. So
3: So hopefully this whole process maybe we could get more people in Florida to maybe consider running for first city council.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's not the scariest thing.
0: Right. Thank you so much for coming out to visit us. Live okay. via satellite.
2: My pleasure. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure being here. Great
0: having you.
1: He's been a long time listener, first time guest. (laughs) I mean, long time, six episodes, but long time listener, first time guest.
0: Any other upcoming events or issues that we haven't spoken about?
1: We are continuing our food drive that we kicked off on Monday with Martin Luther King Day because the family wanted him to be remembered through Acts of Service. And we have gotten huge response to that already. And I don't even know what they're getting in the Space Coast ice cream shop up in Titusville. But if you want to donate to our local office, you can come to our office, which is in Pineda Plaza Way, Suite 123, Red Extigration Garden Cafe. And um, you can go there anytime between 10 and 2 with your food donations. You'll be loved on Monday through Friday. You'll be loved on and thanked. And we're so grateful. And then next Wednesday, January 26th, we have our regular Democratic Executive Committee meeting. All registered Democrats are welcome to attend Um, our voting members will be approving our budget. But any registered Democrat is welcome to attend where you can meet uh, one of the Senate candidates, Ken Russell, who's currently a city councilman from Miami. And Charlie Crist is hopefully going to be in person. His campaign has been working so hard. They had the day wrong. So they're working so hard to adjust his schedule so he can be, he is coming to Brevard County. They're doing a, a tour, but they're hoping to make it so it coincides with our, our Democratic Executive Committee meeting.
2: That's on the 26th. This Thursday is a Palm Bay City Council meeting, in case any of you are interested, any listeners are down in the Palm Bay area.
1: So the Dems office address for those food donations is 2955 Pineda Plaza Way, Suite 123, and that's in Melbourne. Or you can donate at Space Coast Ice Cream Shop in Titusville. Ms. Misty Belford's campaign is a collection spot for us, as the Brevard Dems are supporting her candidacy for school board.
0: If we educated or informed or entertained you, you can tell us at uh, pushaheadpod at gmail.com or even better, you can tell a friend. Or both. Or both, yes. Or you can tell us that you told a friend (laughs) and uh, we might read your email out on the air. If you throw in dirty language, we may have to censor it because we do have that clean rating to make it. Yeah,
1: like you have to censor me. (laughs) See you later. Thank you, Phil.
0: If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead Podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco.